My friends, how are you this evening? Happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Happy Monday. Ooh, how's my hair? Wait, who am I, Mike Cernovich? How are you guys doing? Nice to, uh, nice to chat with you all. Got a couple of updates before you wanted to get your feedback on. Hi, everybody. And uh, are you supposed to chat something? Yes. Yes, things are going to be changing a little bit. Well, I kind of want to, and I wanted to get your thoughts about some ideas that I had for changing things in the show. And given that I very much view this as a collective endeavor, I really wanted to chat with you guys and, and get your thoughts. <laughs> My daughter calls you Stefan Molecule. Well, I appreciate that. Time to shite post. Yes, yes, it could be. But no... We're going to do a couple of changes. Come, mothers and fathers, who have the land? Don't criticize what you understand. Anyway, I won't do that too much. But um, I would say, uh, I wanted to say, so hold off. I appreciate the, um, the uh, super chats, super chats. But I do want to uh, talk a bit of, um, uh, of changes and get your guys' feedback. So... Um, I guess everybody's come comes plowing in. Uh, nice to see everyone. And so, hi from Melbourne. Wow. I don't even know what time it is there at any point. John Maple, nice to see you. Guten Tag. That is correct. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I thought about naming my new kitten Stefan Molly Mew. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Hello from Germany. Hello. Welcome back. And uh, love these live chats. I do too. You know, I'm I'm warming to them. It was a little odd to start with. But uh, when did I decide to do this for a living? 2008, I think it was. Now do a Freddie Mercury impression. Yeah, I was thinking with Kavanaugh, you know, he's paid his dues time after time. He's done his sentence, but committed no crime. Do you know what's funny? Okay, here's a little bit of random Steph Bot <laughs> trivia before we start here. But uh, whew, let me tell you. I hurt myself with my singing this weekend. So I was at um, a sort of Thanksgiving weekend maze with a bunch of kids. And I was being the ogre and I was chasing them through the maze. And I was singing, um, uh, you know, that song from Les Miserables? Um, there is a castle on a cloud. I won't do it, in the, but I did it in this sort of creepy clown falsetto while I was chasing them through the, through the um, maze. And I hit a, a particular pitch which, because I just had this tooth out. And let me tell you, boy, upper tooth removal is no joke, man. Hello, sinuses. And uh, I actually, because I had a bone graft and all that, just all this kinds of mess. And I actually hit a frequency when singing falsetto <laughs> that hurt my tooth hole. <laughs> it's like, wow, I have actually hurt myself. <laughs> I've actually physically hurt myself with, with singing. Often it's the audience, but this time it was actually really, really painful. Best advice you've ever received? Well, I would say that the best advice I've ever received is act like you can succeed, and you're probably most likely to if you have the particular ability. Thank you very much. I, I will try to keep up the good work. And, um, yeah, I appreciate that. So let me, uh, uh, I'm going to um, PG-13 tooth hold talk. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you, I think of just getting a walrus tusk put in so that I can take on Antifa. That's my... <laughs> particular plan at the moment so yeah Steph's voice is a powerful weapon both to the irrational and to his own teeth it's actually not powerful to my own teeth it's powerful to my own absence 
uh, of of teeth. And it's funny, you know, um, yeah, Freddie Mercury had these big tombstone tusks coming off the front of his face, but he was always nervous to get them fixed because he thought that might alter his voice because he had this wonderful two uh, double voice that happened. Somebody just did a study of that. There are stitches hanging out of your lip. Let's not get into the uh, wonderful sewing basket that is my mouth at the moment. Ooh, quite something. <laughs> Front hole talk. That's right. That's right. All right. So I wanted to... Um, hey, from New Zealand. Sorry about your deal. Well, I appreciate that. Dragon Attack is a great song. And the live stuff, the live version of Dragon Attacks can be just fantastic. Gotta eat that sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stefan, how do you feel about completely dominating the Aussie news? It was... um. It was fun. It was fun. I, because I have so little respect for the media as a whole. Uh, I, I, like, I, I liked Andrew Bolt. I thought, he was, I thought he was good. But I have so little respect for the media as a whole. They're just sitting across from them and watching them uh, waffle, burp, and burger themselves on, on their leftist manipulation. Uh, was just terrible. All right. Okay, I'll do a couple of Super Chats, and then we'll get to the, uh, the content uh, of what's going on. Great speech in St. Louis. Yes, please, uh, everyone, if you want to check out. I know it was released on a weekend and all that, but... I did um, a great speech in St. Louis, and it's called The First Temptations of Christ, and I was very pleased with it, and uh, I hope you will check it out. It's, of course, at fdrpodcast.com and also on the uh, youtube.com forward slash free domain radio. So it was fun with the, uh, with the, Aussie, uh, with the Aussie news. I really, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, Mouth like a cat's cradle, eh? Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? The New Zealand interview was brilliant. I assume you mean with, I think it was Patrick Gower. Yeah, that was great. Uh, Lauren Southern is working on a documentary uh, on uh, Europeans and, and migrants and so on. And it's a very great, uh, it's a very great uh, thing that she's working on uh, with Kaylin. And so that's what she's she's up to. We made a great team. I, I loved working with Lauren. She was great. I'm sure we'll do it together together again. Did I catch the Connor? Khabib fight. I did not. I don't watch sports, I'm afraid to say. I did uh, happen to catch, you know, so I wake up in the middle of the night and the, the tooth hole is hurting a bit. So occasionally I'm, I try to stay off tablets and phones uh, at night, but I was like, I can't sleep. So uh, I got up and um, I did read about how uh, Khabib went went over the, uh, the, the octagon, went over and just started plowing into the crowd like a combine harvester. And it's like, we were we were in a fight and a fight broke out. Favorite Pink Floyd song. Oh, you guys are just <laughs> Yeah, I have heard from Lauren. Um a favorite Pink Floyd song. I hate to go all stale because as the echoes is great if you really want to relax for a while. Um uh, the great gig in the sky, love the vocals. Um Shine on You Crazy Diamond, like parts one to infinity are fantastic. But the one I find myself humming or breaking into song most often is the good old Wish You Were Here song, which is uh, absolutely wonderful. Jordan Peterson showing his true colors. Yeah, so there was some stuff with Jordan Peterson saying that um, Kavanaugh should resign after he gets um, after he gets nominated. And Brett Weinstein, I think, was saying, you know, just give a powerful speech and it's going to be and then resign. And it's just like, no, that's, you know, look, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. And it's not whether you make mistakes. It's how well you circle back and clean them up afterwards. But uh, I was not impressed with that statement of Jordan Peterson's or Brett Weinstein. One of these Bretts is not like the other. And um, so I was not impressed, but uh, we um, 
we will see uh, what happens as they as they go forward. Oh, you know what else is great? Floating down through the clouds, memories come rushing up to meet me now. It, it's it's uh, from the final cut. Uh, just a wonderful, a wonderful song. Uh, just he goes into this. Roger Waters goes into this howling scream, right in blend with a high shrieking seagull saxophone, uh, and it's just it just gives you goosebumps. That uh, that song, the final cut, uh, is just amazing. So, oh, I'm sorry, you guys are too. Int- you're, one, you're more interesting than my topic, so I'm <laughs> just going to keep doing. Uh, my first song, the first song I learned on guitar was uh, Queen's uh, "All Dead, All Dead." Uh, which is actually uh, was a very deep and powerful song for me until I found out it was about Brian May's cat when he was a kid. So, so uh, let's see here. Yeah, uh, some some disappointing stuff for sure uh, online. All right, so we do a couple of super chats. Um, uh, so NM Dick says I turned my Christian parents onto you. Thanks for all your work. I appreciate that. And once again, I apologize for my past statements about Christianity. I was uh, full of um, earthly pride, let me put it that way. Uh, what do you think of Peterson saying Kavanaugh should resign? Uh, Jordan Peterson, like him a lot. We all make mistakes in this. He is absolutely, completely and totally wrong, and I hope that he will uh, pick that up. Jean-Louis Blackburn. That's not Blackburn, is it? No, Blackburn. Thank you very much for your support. Christina Napoleon says, My father and I listen to you daily. We are Christians who avoid churches like the plague. Yet we both agree that you speak more truth than most pastors do. Thank you. I did get some real compliments on the speech in St. Louis, and it was very nice to do something a little bit different. Um, what's your thoughts on the NPC theory? So is that the non-player character theory? I've seen that referenced around. If you want to give me some more uh, explanations of it, I would like to... Is it that you're a non-player character in your own life or something like that? So I don't know uh, what to make of that, other than I've seen the phrase, phrase floating around, but it's one of these things that's just kind of flown flown by, you know, like a, you, you drive along the highway, you see a speed limit sign, it's like, what was that again? What was that? So, Commies or NPCs? I don't know. Uh, somebody says, the speech was really good, Stefan, but you really need to check out and read all of the epistles of Paul because Jesus came only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All right. I will, uh, <laughs> I will uh, probably check some of that out. Uh, as we go forward. I mean, there's so many projects, and that's part of what I wanted to talk with you guys about tonight was just all of the projects that I want to uh, uh, want to get going. So let me let me start that. I'll, you know, uh, if you can hold off on the Super Chats, you know, not that I don't appreciate the support, but hold off on the Super Chats. And um, I wanted to sort of talk a little bit about stuff. So, so the first is the call-in Shows now. So first and foremost, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still 150% committed to to you, to philosophy, to the world, to the future. Nothing is changing as far as that goes. But there's a certain amount of repetition for me in the show that I'm not having as much luck keeping certain things fresh uh, in the way that I want to. And whether that means a break or whether that means a permanent hiatus, I don't know. But the call-in shows have, uh, you know, we, we've got these sometimes these like three and a half, four and a half hour marathons. By the end, I just don't have the same oomph as I do at the beginning. So uh, I'm mulling over what to do about the call-in shows. I really want to make sure that when I have listener conversations that they are as focused and as strong as possible. The current format is not working for me as well as I'd like it to. And I did a little a bit of a look up. There are 
well north of 700 call-in shows. Um, that's about 2,500 hours worth of call-in shows. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. That's probably more, but, you know, that's just the ones I could get a hold of easily. And, man, these, these call-in shows, they are... Um, they they can be a bit draining. I mean, it's... Uh, I love the listeners, love having the conversations, but I would like to sort of switch it up. So the way that I'd like to do it, let me know what you guys think. I'd like to do it more like, you know, get the email, have the call, and sort of release that as a, a single show, but not do sort of four or five um, straight up. You know, it's, uh, it's just kind of rough. You know, I don't know if it's because I'm aging a little bit or whatever, but it's just a bit rough for me to to work with that kind of format and you know if people love the call-in shows again there's 2,500 hours of call-in shows already and most of them like 95% of them are not time sensitive at all so you can always go back and enjoy all of the existing call-in shows but uh, it is uh, I, I, I don't feel that I'm giving it especially the callers towards the end uh, I, I'm not sure that I'm giving them the same level of attention as at the beginning especially because it seems like lately you guys have probably known node uh you probably have noticed this i'm putting node and notice together no one notice that if if i have like a two and a half hour call that's really really in depth with history and the occasional arrest and stuff like that then it's tough to have the energy for the next one so i'd like to sort of get a call have a call just make it one show and uh see how that works so that i wanted to sort of mention now being out of the studio. So I've been a house cat for quite a long time. I've been like a studio band, so to speak, for quite a long time. And I really got into this, uh, some of the more, some of the stuff I did in, in Washington, some of the stuff I did in DC, some of the stuff I did uh, particularly in Australia and almost in New Zealand and so on. I'm really enjoying being out in the world and meeting people. I'm going to be at Politicon this weekend. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, I love to you know look people in the eye that that the show and philosophy has really affected and hear their stories and meet them and it's just really great and I like doing the live speeches and so on so and the street interviews were fun the, the knockabouts with the mainstream media were fun and I really want more of that <laughs> I really want more of that and that means being out of the studio more and out in the world so uh, I'm going to go to Poland for the hundredth year anniversary and I would really love to do and you'll know why more if you watch Hoaxed and of course you should watch Hoaxed Mike Cernovich's new movie that I'm in and I really want to do a history of philosophy in the places where philosophy happened right so like a history of of Greek Greek and Roman philosophy in Greece and in in Rome and, and just get that kind of stuff off the ground. I really like being out there with people rather than in the ping pong ball. Well, I guess the stripy part of the ping pong ball at the moment. So I do like being out of the studio. I want to sort of focus more on that. That's going to come at the expense of some other stuff and all that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to mention that. I wanted to know, and I'll really watch this part of, of the chat because I'm curious what you guys find about the current event stuff that I do like when this I mean the Kavanaugh stuff I mean that was a lot of work and a lot of hours but I think it was very well worth it I mean I think it really helped move the needle for a lot of people and when it comes to 
the current events, I, I'm feeling a little bit like it's a treadmill, like a hamster wheel, like current events, current events, current events. And I've, I mean, I've uploaded the uh, video. I'm just waiting for uh, of my, my new book, uh, Essential Philosophy. I had so much fun writing that. It felt, you know, really deep and visceral and powerful to write a book about pure philosophy because I feel like I'm defending all this stuff in the West. But if I can produce the kind of beauty that I want, also want to defend, then I'm not just a soldier, you know, with a spear pointed outwards looking for incomings, but I'm actually building the kind of beauty that makes me also want to protect the West. And given that we still have a significant amount of free speech and intellectual inquiry and so on, I really wanted to focus more on that. So I'm really enjoying the books. I'm enjoying being out of the studio. And that's just kind of different than what I've been doing for the last sort of five or six years in particular. And now that my daughter's older, uh, it's a lot easier. And she loves being on the road. Just wanted to, uh, just wanted to mention that. So if I pull back a little bit on the current events, then I could work more uh, on more detailed books and, and articles and, and being out of the studio and all of that. Oh, the name of the new book is called Essential Philosophy. And uh, I just really wanted to uh, work, work more on books because that was really, really nice. And so that means pulling back a little bit from the current events treadmill. And that's a little bit like it's my addiction to some degree. It's not, I mean, certainly the audience likes it a lot. And the show actually first took off when I switched from philosophy to, well, I blended in current events into the philosophy show in the back uh, uh, ground. And the true news stuff is when the show really began to take off. And uh, that's been really good at getting the word out there. But uh, yeah, some of this current event stuff, it just feels a little bit like, Oh, current events got to do a show. Current events got to do a show, and it's uh, it's uh, it's it's burning me out a little bit. Not like I'm tired or frustrated or short tempered or anything like that, but in terms of just the real foundational pleasure that I want to keep taking, I have to really. I mean, this is I think good advice for people in general. Like you've really got to fiercely guard your pleasure uh, in in what it is that you do, because if it becomes less uh, pleasurable, then uh, it's. Um, uh, you'll end up, oh, peaceful parenting books. Yeah, that is definitely on the list. I would really, really like to uh, to do that for sure. So uh, these are other things that I would like to get involved in. And it's a funny little thing as well. Like, so when people donate, I like to thank them. I send a message and so on. And I'm beginning to wonder <laughs> just, you know, as time goes on, whether that's the best use of my time. So I might just do a sort of... Uh, thank you stream or something at the end of the month, but uh, whether it's going to be, you know, emails back, I'm not sure that's a huge and wonderful use of, of my time. I mean, everybody, I think, or at least I hope you know how grateful I am for everything that you guys do to make what I do possible. But um, yeah, that's, uh, that's something else that I'm thinking of just switching up, trying to make things more efficient. Someone says, that's a good idea. You could condense the current events all into one slash week just for people to help with sense making and then not feel obligated to do them all in their own shows. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very interesting point as well. Um, <laughs> I will donate to you five Dogecoins if you do a handstand while playing Minecraft. <laughs> what am I, a performing dog? Yes, I am a performing dog, but I won't perform that one for sure. <laughs> that's very funny. So, uh, so yeah. I, oh, yeah, I also, yeah, I feel like it's been forever since I've done really, I mean, 
there was the truth about Sweden, which then got put into a limited state because it's just so crazy radical. And anyway, it just got put into a limited state and they denied the appeal. Just as they denied the appeal on YouTube for the story of your enslavement to not be age restricted. But I used to do more of these deep dives, like the presentations, the PowerPoints, the, um, you know, the fall of Rome and the Crusades and, and uh, even some of the um, personality profiles and so on. I used to do more of those. And I really liked those a lot. But because there's all this current event stuff, it's sort of like trying to concentrate on creating a beautiful haiku when there's a cloud of bees around your head. It's like, well, I'd like to do the haiku, but the bees are kind of distracting me a little bit. And the current events is kind of piling up as far as that goes. And so in trying to balance where I put my time, that's, I think, yeah, I mean, less current events, rejigging the call-in show for at least a while. I think is uh, a way to go. And it seems like, I mean, let me know what you guys think, but I do think that uh, um, you guys seem to be okay with that. Peaceful parenting? Yes, I absolutely want to do. I actually have a draft of about half of it done and have had for some time, but the research, got to get up on the research, and that takes quite a bit of time. Somebody says, your videos with Duke Pasta are great diving into Shakespeare, etc. I do really uh, like those Pasta shows. And I actually met him in St. Louis. He's just as wonderful in person as he is uh, online. Um, so let's see here. Peaceful Parenting books. Yes. Yeah. Crusades, classical philosophy. Those expositions have been good. And I'd like to get more into that. Uh, I, I feel um, less in control of the show when I'm doing a lot of responding to current event stuff and not planning deeper dives into things. And, you know, there are a lot of people who do current events. I, I know that I bring this sort of philosophy approach to it, which I think is really important, but there are a lot to do it. How, sorry, how am I feeling? I feel good. I feel good. This, uh, this tooth thing was a crab, um, but uh, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I feel good. It's sleeping well. And uh, it's also, can we tell you, kind of a drag, just a sort of... Uh, just, just you, you and I, you and I, but it's a bit of a drag. It's, I'm not allowed to exercise for like ten weeks. Uh, sorry, ten days, ten days. I'm not allowed to exercise for ten days, and um, that's uh, that's tough. Let me tell you, because I tell you, when I don't exercise, I don't actually eat that much, uh, because eating for me is a lot of fuel for exercise. So not being able to exercise is uh, is kind of a challenge for me <laughs> at the moment. I keep like, oh, I'm going to go. Oh, I can't do that. Here's another coincidence too. So a friend of mine I uh, was talking to uh, this this weekend, and she just had gum surgery because her gums were receding. She had gum surgery on the same day that I had my tooth out, which was last Wednesday. And uh, are you ready for a dad joke? <laughs> I said to her, hey, man, hey, we're really putting the dental in coincidental. Anyway, just sort of it was kind of weird because it's the first time both of us have had that kind of stuff, at least for me on the upper jaw. And uh, it was just kind of strange that it happened on the same day. Uh, well, I guess that's the uh, that's the middle-aged lifestyle. Uh, okay, so somebody says, please, I'm begging you, please listen to Lupe Fiasco's new album all the way through and do a review, please. An album review. Hmm, that's interesting. I love music, um, so it may be one of these you don't have to ask me twice kind of things. Uh, okay, Oleksandrik says, appreciate your content, especially the new YouTube live stream format. What's your opinion on why the tech companies lean so left nowadays? Well, the left is drawn to power and the tech companies have the most power these days. The tech companies 
in some ways have more power than government because government can't control information after you're in, in government schools in the same way that tech companies can. So they have a lot of power. And so the left is drawn to controlling narratives, to controlling power. Leftism fundamentally is an inability to prove your case. And so you have to resort to manipulation, to propaganda, to threats, to anger, to rage, to whatever. I mean, it's to, to playing the victim and so on. So it's not that the tech companies are innately left. It's just that the left is drawn to wherever the power is. And the last election, the 2016 election, like Trump versus Hillary, that was very clear. It was very clear that the real power was in social media because, I mean, she has an exquisite political pedigree. Uh, she ticks all the right boxes on the leftist agenda. She's a woman and uh, she had the entire media on her side, more than on her side. I mean, it was billions of dollars of, of um, in-kind contributions, in my view, that the media gave Hillary by being so anti-Trump and pro Hillary, she had uh, the, the entertainment media on her side. She had academia on her side. She had everyone on her side. And she still lost. And so there has been a real escalation, of course, in, you know, I remember back in the halcyon days of YouTube, like I first joined in 2006, 12 years ago. I, I never thought about, is this content to this or is the content to that or, you know, I mean, I never monetized because it was not that complicated to figure out that if I became successful, I would be targeted as far as advertisers went. But I do remember back in the day, man, you, I just, I never really thought about, oh, well, I talked about this topic or that topic. And this is, a, I never thought about that stuff. But ever since, and it was really before the election, because you could really see the power of social media before the 2016 election. But regarding Brexit, regarding Kavanaugh, these days, uh, you can see Bolsonaro in Brazil has done very well. And a lot of that has to do with social media. And so the real power right now is not in the state. The real power is in social media, which is why when Congress summons the head of Google to come and testify before them or talk to them, he's like, nah, <laughs> no, thanks. I'm busy that day. I have to do my hair. That's wild. And so, yeah, tech companies, they're not innately left. They just have a lot of power. The left is drawn to power, so they're going to control it that way. Truck754 says a lot of people do current events. Truth about big figures. The call-in shows are absolutely moving. Interviews with experts and other alternative media figures are my favorite aspects of free domain. Oh, that's another thing, too, because I like the interviews, love to meet pe new people, love to chat with new people. But my Lord, are they a lot of work. I mean, it's usually at least one book, a couple of articles, or one book, a couple of articles, plus seeing them debate, or two books, or, you know, it's a huge amount of work just to prepare for like a 45 minute or an hour interview. And I genuinely and generally get compliments like, wow, this is the best, most in-depth, the most in-depth interview I've ever had. So the people who talk with me and it's, you know, you really do your, you know, your stuff, you do your research and all that. And so it's a lot of work. I really do enjoy doing them, but the views to labor ratio is quite disproportionate. I mean, this is a funny business to be in because who on earth i will listen to lupe fiasco's new album by the way i will listen to it but um it's a funny business to be in because you, you pour heart and soul into some really complicated presentation and try and put it forward as an engaging a way as possible and what happens you know it gets a hundred thousand views on youtube gets another hundred or two hundred thousand downloads through the podcast because remember the youtube is just one aspect of the show 
and then ramble about Serena Williams and do like millions I don't like combined it's I don't know it's nuts it's nuts but um so let's see here keep up the great so Stephen McAdams says keep up the great work you've enriched my life thank you very much Stephen I appreciate that um phrase unknown location I actually sorry unknown unknown location I believe is located in redacted California oh there's an inside cabin or joke for you why is might makes right wrong well might doesn't make right might make take resources might make uh, babies uh, uh, through rape but it might might doesn't make right because right is in terms of morality right is fidelity to an abstract standard of virtue that's universal i call it universally preferable behavior although sometimes i call it universally preferable behavior in the audiobook which drove me a little nuts but anyway um you know might doesn't make right uh, you you could certainly knock someone over the head and take their stuff it doesn't make it right it just means you have their stuff unjustly so it might doesn't make right Romulus463 says, The truth about the Mexican-American war would be a great presentation as the Mexican people have found their government less popular than the American army. I remember, boy, this is going back a ways, probably more than 30 years, when I went to Mexico for the first time. And I remember being at Chichen Itza with a Mexican guide who was quite bitter about... The government, he just referred to them as the banditos. Just a bunch of bandits, a bunch of criminals, a bunch of this, a bunch of that. And um, that was uh, quite a powerful moment for me, just seeing how much contempt at least some of the Mexicans have for their own government. And I can't say that I hugely blame them. So, uh, WRTH Rash, Worth Rash, Worth Rush says, uh, Owen Benjamin really put Jordan Peterson in his place, made Jordan to be a complete hypocrite. Your take. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'll tell you my take. I mean, to take another angle at it, Jordan Peterson has done a lot of great work and he's woken up a lot of people outside the leftist programming. And I'm sure that I would disagree enormously with Jordan Peterson on politics, uh, just as I do in certain smaller aspects of his parenting advice. But... I mean, I don't like this make one mistake and completely turn on the guy. I just, I, I mean, that's not, I mean, don't we build up credit? I mean, it'd be pretty pretty nerve-wracking to be in relationships with people like that. Again, I haven't seen the Owen Benjamin stuff, so I'm not talking about him. But I'm just saying if it's like one mistake, one tweet which was ill-considered, badly thought out or whatever, that's, that's a pretty high standard, and I can't reach that standard. I bet you you can't reach that standard. So let's be a little bit more patient and a little bit more forgiving. I found the statement, and I tweeted about this. I said, this is baffling. Can somebody give me context and so on? So no, I. Um, there is a fear. Like, the, the left is only going to escalate from here because the left has been dominating and, and, and in control of the cultural, political, artistic, you name it, academic narrative for 50, 60 years. And they're just not used to pushback. They're not used to not getting their way. And the general khaki Republican in name only group have really surrendered. And what have they been able to conserve, as the old question goes? So the left is going to have increasing and escalating tantrums. And there are a lot of people who say, okay, okay, let's let them have their thing and let's not get them too angry and let's not this and let's not that. That is not, uh, that is not a good idea. 
because if you surrender to tantrums, we all know this, right? You, you see some parent, uh, the kid's having a tantrum because the kid wants a candy bar. And the parent's like, okay, fine, here's your candy bar. Well, you've just bought yourself the next 10 tantrums in a row. Because if it's worked once, even if it doesn't work for the next five times, the kid will still try again the sixth time. So we just can't, can't give them. And it's bad. It's bad for the left to give them what they want. It's bad for everyone. It's bad for anyone who has a tantrum to give them what they want because it's just reinforcing the tantrum. So, yeah. So I don't know this complete hypocrite. I, I again, I haven't seen the Owen Benjamin stuff because I'd also like to have more time to consume other people's material because lots of great content providers out there. And right now it's just, well, it's, it's parenting and show and, and husband, parenting, show husband, parenting, show husband. It's just, you know, I keep talking about freedom and I'd like to manifest that a little bit more in my own in my own choices so yeah i mean jordan peterson yeah he made a mistake uh, he was wrong about that and we'll see nick uh says will big education strike back against people who expose it like you and seth himes well sure look i mean uh, of course right i mean so this the standard the standard big education narrative regarding me is something like, yo, oh, he's an amateur philosopher, oh, you know, what, what, and no PhD, and published in any peer-reviewed journals and doesn't speak ancient Aramaic and can't translate Middle Eastern Greek on the fly, <laughs> right? I mean, it's all just a bunch of garbage. Um, academics, acad- and it struck me back when I was taking philosophy in, in university, that everyone who taught philosophy had to have a PhD or something like it, but most people that they were studying did not have PhDs in philosophy. And other people like Socrates and so on, they studied philosophy, they learned philosophy, but they weren't accredited in that kind of way. And it just seems to me kind of funny how you're only considered to be good at teaching philosophy if you pursue a completely opposite path from most of the people who you're teaching about. And that just seems kind of odd to me, so... It's saying I lack credentials. I mean, it's one of these, it's one of these sad, just sad little arguments. I mean, I mean, if if you really know how to think for yourself, credentials shouldn't matter. Like when I was reading Ayn Rand, I didn't say, "Oh my gosh, I, I wonder what her, I wonder what her credentials are." Like it's like, no, just look at the arguments. Look at the arguments. Who cares what the credentials are? Look at the arguments. Because if the only people who are allowed to discuss philosophy are people with PhDs in philosophy then the world cannot benefit from philosophy because the average person can't discuss it, can't talk about it. And I think that's just wrong. Philosophy is a gift for us all. Philosophy is the birthright of every human being. It is not something to be possessed and gathered and held onto by the elites. It is not something that is supposed to occur just in an ivory tower. And it sure as hell is not something in the platonic ideal where the philosopher kings hoard their wisdom and don't share it with the common man because that just means you have to have a dictatorship in order for there to be any kind of virtuous society. And I, the, the, the Plato's argument in the Republic that the mysteries of the forms are so esoteric that one can only grasp them with decades of study and one can never communicate them to the average person, but they're totally right. That which is totally right, which you cannot communicate, you must end up dominating other people based upon that. This was my master's thesis. So those who say... I mean, you know, if I make a mistake in my arguments or, you know, if the evidence is incorrect or something has changed, sure. I mean, I'll, I mean, I, I absolutely claim this credibility that I pivot and, and, and change my arguments or change my, the content of, of truth when new evidence, new arguments come along. I either expand it or 
openly uh, change. I, I have earned that respect because I do that on a regular basis because that's what I preach. And I sure as hell don't want to avoid practicing what I preach. But this idea that you have to have some PhD in order to talk philosophy is really pitiful. It's really pitiful because philosophy is, is it, it belongs to all of us. It does not belong to me. It does not belong to you. It certainly doesn't belong to, to pompous doofuses uh, with Ivy League educations waffling on about how they won't take an internet philosopher seriously because he's not published in peer-reviewed journals. It's like, you know who else wasn't published in peer-reviewed journals? Socrates was not published in peer-reviewed journals. Are you going to say, well, we can't possibly study Socrates because... <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. All right. Avery Granham says, agreed on your decision to pay less attention to current events. Your presentations, especially with sources, have been more helpful in convincing loved ones. I'd love to see more. P.S. Come to Minnesota. Yeah, I like Minnesota. What I've seen in the Rio movies looks cool. I don't think I've ever been, though. I hate to sound too old, but back in my days as a software entrepreneur, I was traveling all the time. I went lots of places. But I don't think I've ever been to Minnesota, but I will certainly keep it on the list. Uh, Bacon Grease says, what are some really good books to read on how to properly argue? Well, I mean... The Art of the Argument at theartoftheargument.com, of course, would be a, a place to go. I would also suggest just, you know, pick up, and, and they're available online. You can get them, like, free, and I'm sure that there are audiobook versions of them. Um, Platonic Dialogues, Socrates versus Alcibiades, Socrates versus a wide variety of other people. That is uh, a great way to learn how to, uh, to argue. You can't do much better than starting at the source. All right, I want to make sure I'm catching up, not just with the uh, Super Chat uh, peepers, uh, I drink my coffee brewed with bacon grease. Well, thank, thank you for sharing. I'm pretty sure that's what Joe Rogan gave me in the studio as well. Uh, do more out-of-studio stuff, but document the offstage stuff like you did in Europe. Yeah, I. it's interesting because I kind of like the behind-the-scenes stuff. I always have loved the behind-the-scenes stuff. And so I do... Um, uh, I would like to do more of that. And we did have a bunch of footage from Australia, but I've not had any time. Just not, I'm just feeling like I'm not having time to do the stuff that I want to do. How's your throat situation going? Uh, great. Um, for those who don't know, this is scar here, which I occasionally get questions about is, um, uh, I had a, a, a tumor, a cancerous tumor on my salivary gland and it was removed, uh, over five years ago and everything has been perfect since then. And now, it's kind of like I never had it as far as my risk factor goes. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. But uh, it's been uh, it's been great. All right. Intellectual dork web. <laughs> okay. That's, that's a little funny. All right. Uh, Ian Dmitrievich says, Stefan Molyneux, my last super chat. Would you interview Dr. Neil Riordan? Riordan? Please search for the interview with him and Mel Gibson. Sugar Tits actor Mel Gibson? All right. I will make a note of that. I um, will check it out. Let's see. I will, um, yeah. And again, would really like to. Uh... Your channel is like one terabyte. Can you upload in 480, please? You know, I, I hear what you're saying, but no. Sorry. I mean, I, I'll do 4K if I can. But uh, no, I do want to uh, continue to upload in as, you know, I'm looking to the future uh, for when things are even more detailed and you can zoom in and all that kind of stuff, right? So I'm going to, uh, do I enjoy gardening? Do you know, there's only one aspect of gardening that I really like, and that's weeding. Weeding is, 
very satisfying. You know, the before and after, you know, when you have a, uh, like I have a vegetable patch, right? And the before where the weeds are kind of all poking up and, and just getting them all out, putting them all in a pile, throwing them in, into the into the woods and, and uh, just seeing all that lovely dirt that is un, untrammeled, unbesmirched, that's unbesmirched by weeds. Uh, I do enjoy the weeding aspect of stuff, but I am not particularly uh, keen on, on other stuff. And I'm not very good at gardening. I'm good at weeding and I'm good at picking the vegetables, but that's about it. Philosophy is a soft science. Mm, that's a very interesting comment. It's a very interesting comment. I think it might be both a soft and a hard science. Hard insofar as it's syllogistic. Uh, reasoning is, is pretty absolute. But it certainly is soft in that it involves free will and human beings, and therefore there is going to be some subjectivity or some out-of-focus stuff. It's certainly not as predictive as physics. If it was as predictive as physics, physics, then determinism would be true. So, Hi, the memes of destruction. Steph is talking to the crowd. Um, yeah, good movement going on in Brazil to the right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very interested in following that. And uh, I did actually give some speeches years ago in Sao Paulo. I was invited down there by some really great libertarians. Uh, and the libertarian movement is quite strong in some of that area of the world. So I really do. Uh, uh, I'd love to go back. It's a bit of a haul, but it was a lot of uh, it was a lot of fun. Stefan, if you don't live in a giant barrel like Diogenes and are trying to promote philosophy, then you have zero credibility. Oh, here's another one that's just sad as well. I'm not going to crap too much about the lovely listeners. Nobody in this chat, but let me tell you something. Every now and then, I get a comment that goes something like this. Steph, I've been following you for a long time long time but your arguments are reductionist and ridiculous and you fail to take into account this thinker and you do this and the you know, blah 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 right and it's like it's really kind of disheartening not not because you're being criticized because i'm happy to be criticized as long as it's not dumb <laughs> as long as it's not just like ridiculous or you're wrong because i'm going to use negative adjectives but people who are like i've been following you for years i'm now going to not rebut your argument by throwing a bunch of silly non-arguments at you. It's like, you know, if you've been following me for years, shouldn't you know how to make an argument by now? Shouldn't you know how to at least not do stupid ad hominem stuff? But uh, anyway, that's how you know that people are lying. Because I just don't believe that people say, I've been following you for years and now going to do the exact opposite of everything. And then they say, you, you, Steph, don't have a good argument. And then they give me a complete non-argument. And uh, it's like, oh, come on, that's... Uh... I've heard Vox Day has a fair bit to say about Peterson. And uh, I've read a little bit of it, but not too, too much. You can only be a computer scientist, says someone, if you have credentials. Steve Jobs was a, a tool. Uh, laugh out loud, just kidding, of course. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, if you have credentials and so on. It's an argument... From authority, fallacy of relevance. I think that is true. I just do want to uh, have the capacity to to just bring philosophy and make it usable. I want to be, um, you know, when touch screens came along, it revolutionized computer interfaces. When mice came along, 
It um, revolutionized computer interfaces. And I just really want to be the user-friendly GUI over philosophy because a lot of times it's like Linux kernels, which also seems to have gone kind of evil these days. But that perhaps is a topic for another time. Uh, Stefan, do an IQ test. I bet you score above most on the intellectual dark web. You know, I, I hear what you're saying, and I appreciate that. I don't know. I doubt it. But uh, I, an IQ test is not an argument. <laughs> you know, an IQ test is not an argument. You can have somebody with an IQ of 90 who makes a far better argument than somebody with an IQ of 120. And sometimes um, the common sense that comes with a lower IQ keeps you immunized or, or um, safe from the weird abstractions that trap so many particularly verbally gifted people. Uh, academics are paid gatekeeping regurgitators. Yeah, so academia is this big swamp where smart people get stuck so that they don't change the world and they don't talk to people, uh, is uh, British. Uh, intellectual dark web is the cringiest name I've heard in a while. <laughs> now, you know, I cringe is not an argument, but I kind of get what you, what you mean, intellectual dark web. And it's like, I don't know, can, can a brother get some arguments? No, it's intellectual dark web. It is the dark ninjas of the underworld of not an argument. It's just, I don't know. Can, can a brother get an argument? Can we get some facts? No, I'll give you a label. Um, Clay says, I think you should focus more on culture, like movies and especially music. But let me ask you guys, would you see a movie with me? And what I mean by that is this. If I went to go and see a movie and I sort of announced it out here, let me know what you think. If I went to go and see a movie and I said, okay, let's meet here and, and have a chat about it. Uh, you know, I'll tell you my thoughts. I can read your thoughts and so on. Would you do that? I mean, would you be interested in that? Because uh, I do like movies and there is a lot to be seen in movies that goes beyond what most people see. And so I would say, uh, let me know if that's of interest to you. I sort of had that idea that that would be... I, I did that many, many years ago. But uh, it's been... Oh, I can't even imagine. You would do, you, you guys would do it? Yeah, I would. I think that would be fun, right? I mean, I can. we can see the movie. You guys can, can let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, let's watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> that is a pretty surreal movie in many, in many ways. In a theater, I'd be a lot more interested in classic movies... Well, I was thinking, so my favorite movie is Room with a View, the adaptation of the old E.M. Forster novel. And, um, yeah. Yeah, but don't make it too unserious. Party at Steph's house. Yeah, it would be nice if we could do it all together, for sure. But, um, let's see here. Yeah, I, okay, well, let me sort of think about that. Um, maybe I can put out a... Um, something on Twitter and ask for what movies would be fun to see. I'm probably a glutton for punishment, but I like Bradley Cooper from his alias days. And while I find Lady Gaga a rather surreal Franken personality, uh, certainly very talented musically and a great singing voice. So I'm vaguely tempted. I've never seen A Star is Born, like the old ones. There was one in the 57, I think. And then there was one with Chris Christopherson and, and uh, Barbara Streisand and... I am vaguely tempted by uh, by A Star Is Born. Um, have you have you guys seen it? Is is it good? Is it worth it? Uh, because people are very much uh, keen on uh, talent as uh, salvation. Talent is the new virtue. Talent is the new salvation. So yeah, let me know what you think, and maybe that would be a good one to do. 
Um, some, uh, someone says, uh, Stefan, I've been, I found myself going to beg lately listening to Marcus Aurelius meditations. I do not feel that the Stoics shared his values about the Logos. What do you think? I don't have enough information to answer that. I've never read all the way through the meditations. I've skimmed some when I was younger, but I can't answer that. But I'm going to make a note of that because that sounds like a very good question for a history of philosophy show that might occur, say, in uh, in Rome. Wouldn't that be great? Rashomon. Yeah, that's a... I, I saw a French version of Rashomon when I was at the theater school. I mean, you know that... That, that French sneer of Galatois and berets and life is shit. And, you know, I remember, I still remember that the, 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 the nihilism and the, the contempt for all that is non-existential based life forms and so on. And it's like, you're French. It's, I don't know. It's just, it was really struck me as kind of cliched, but. Uh, Enter the dragon. Oh, well, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. Jordan Peterson, clean your room, resign from SCOTUS. <laughs> it's a little funny. So, Steph, when are you going to do a video game review? See, this is the other thing. So, I have a couple of video games that I've bought, and I, I have not had any time to play them. So, uh, if you guys are interested in that, I would like to do that. I would like to do that. So, it would be a, probably a separate channel thing, but I like uh, video games. Uh, perhaps a little too much, uh, though I really haven't had a chance to play in uh in forever but um yeah and and they're older ones uh i liked the fight club breakdown more would be great and uh yeah so i will um yeah i appreciate that i yeah well, maybe we'll do we'll do a movie thing i think that would be uh that'd be fun i certainly would love to see what you guys had to say about particular the gaga movie is a dumpster fire <laughs> well um We'll see. We'll see. I, you know, I can get a lot of good stuff even out of a great, out of a not so great movie. Terminator One is a classic. It is, but Terminator Two really blew my mind when I watched it. I watched it. I'm old enough to have watched it in the theater when it came out. And uh, whew. Uh, watch PCU. It's a ninety. 90- oh, that's politically correct university, right? It's a '90s comedy, but plays more like a documentary about today's college campuses. Where is that woman from? I can't do it properly because my mouth is still a little sore, but you know, that triggered woman. Oh, where's that from anyway? Is there a new Rashomon? There's a Rashomon. It's an old Japanese story about a, a bandit robbing a married couple in the woods, if I remember rightly. And everybody tells their different version of the story. So, <laughs> Eric, that's funny. I, I couldn't get that for a moment. <laughs> he says, uh, Steph, I've been listening to your arguments for over the last 60 years. What is your opinion about freedom? <laughs> oh dear oh dear um let's see oh okay sorry you guys are too too distracting uh so let me just get another, not distracting i mean you guys are great did i get all of these uh, let me just make sure i got these thanks jeff i really appreciate that um carl rayberg says your video about anna from the young turks snarky remarks saved me from a life of misery thank you you're welcome bacon grease uh, again, uh, I would really like an opportunity to speak with you privately for an hour. I'd pay you for your time, deeply personal. Otherwise, I'd ask you now. I don't get paid for my time for calls. Um, I know that sounds odd, but uh, I don't do consulting. I don't get paid for my time. So um, I'm not sure what to do. If we can make it a show, like if, if we want, we can 
uh, maybe we can alter your voice or something and don't give any geographical locations or whatever. But uh, if we can make it a show, great. Uh, otherwise, I don't, uh, I don't do one-on-ones for money. What am I, some kind of brain whore? Well, I am, but it's really more of a gangbang. Mass, Mass Vids says, love you, Stefan. Thanks for all you do. Has Peterson destroyed his credibility by pandering to Sam Harris? Uh, and is Q real or just nonsense? I don't know enough about Q. Some of the stuff sounds kind of outlandish. I don't know enough about Q. Um, but as far as I know, and you guys let me know, is, is, has Q produced testable, empirical, measurable predictions that we can check on or that can be checked on? Or is it always just about to happen? I don't know. No, I, you know, has Peterson destroyed his credibility? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know he had a debate with Sam Harris or they've done some tours together or whatever. But um, when you've built up a lot of credibility, and I think Peterson has, you can't just destroy it in one one go, right? Like one thing. So um, uh, to me, it's a longer kind of journey as far as credibility goes. It's sort of like a bank account. You deposit, you withdraw and you know, that kind of stuff. So. Tyson Brown, Stefan, what is your fondest memory? Please come to Utah soon. My fondest memory. Oh, what a good question. Um, every every um, every phase of my life has different fond memories, and one that pops into my mind was my, my I've mentioned my daughter is dying to do shows. She's dying to do shows. Would you guys? Uh, she she wants to do shows where she answers questions from parents. Um, you know, it's what she wants to do. And um, I'm, let me know if you guys would, would listen to that. I'd be interested in that. But um, my daughter and I were out having some breakfast and we were doing our role playing, which is our kind of, we've got this whole imaginary world with, with dragons and wizards and all that. And she has adventures in them. And I play the dungeon master. There's very little dice rolling. It's mostly negotiation and learning about communism and stuff. But um, we were doing some role playing and uh, she ran into a character who was like the worst father in the world. And I was playing like this character in this world and like he couldn't remember how many children he had and uh, he kept, uh, you know, stealing from their um, lunch money and uh, he was just like absolutely the the worst father and it was so funny. Uh, It was so funny. Like I, it was one of these things where you, you, you feel like a piece of the toast is going to come out of your nose. You're laughing so hard. And uh, that was a huge amount of fun. And uh, that was, I think just. A week or two ago and that was a blast so that kind of stuff it's just uh, that's my most recent extremely fond memory so good question gene jeffrey says why do people insist on vilifying mccarthy when it turns out that he was right i.e people refer to what happened to judge kavanaugh as mccarthyism yeah. it's just become shorthand for like like witch hunt it's a way of characterizing something without having to provide any evidence and it's really really sad but the um the communist won with mccarthy the communists did not want to be exposed. And I've got a whole presentation on McCarthy, as I'm sure you know. You should check it out. But the communists in the U.S. government did not want to be exposed. And, like, everyone's worried about Russia, but it's it's China. And Mike Cernovich has been talking about this for a while. It's China, Saudi Arabia, Yemen. These people are, these countries are much, much, much more dangerous than anything to do with, uh, um, anything to do with, with Russia. But, uh, yeah, the communists won. They um, controlled the media. They controlled academia. And um, they were able to smear McCarthy as a crazy guy who saw communists in the jam jar when he was, in fact, working very hard. And this is uh, 
and cultists characterization of him uh, that uh, he bought America one more generation with which to hopefully save things just as Trump might buy another eight years all right um, bacon grease I'll email you and make it titled bacon grease I look forward to hearing from you I totally understand just want to support your work sorry I'll quit bugging you listen hey you know what first of all persistence is not bugging me I appreciate that it's a very very kind thought to say that you're bugging me you're not bugging me I mean I appreciate the persistence and uh, persistence is uh, a good deal of, of what it means to be successful. Uh, Jerry Johnson says, what do you think about taking children to church? I'm concerned about indoctrinating our young children, but lessons in community are compelling. Hmm. Well, read Essential Philosophy, which is coming out very shortly. But um, I don't know. I used to be much more certain about that, Jerry. I don't know. I would say... If you have any possibility to keep them out of government schools, if you can homeschool them, then you can teach them a lot about values and truth and virtue and all of that without needing the religious aspect, which is not philosophical. So, I don't know. That's a tough call. That is a tough call. So, whatever you can provide philosophically, you should provide philosophically. And if for whatever reason you can't provide it philosophically, then I think that Christianity of the religions that I know, and I'm not an expert on religions as a whole, but Christianity has some, some great beauty to it in the ideals and the ideology. So, Pappy here, do you anticipate finding yourself in Southern California in the future? Love your work. Uh, thank you. I am going to be at Politicon. So it's L.A. Samurai Squirrel. Since the social justice warriors took Linux, I found someone who made their own OS. Is it better to focus on that? Or web tech like JavaScript and web design. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to make a new OS and, and have it take root. So I don't know much about the Linux stuff. Um, I know that the social justice warrior concerns with Linux are pretty big. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I unless you have a big team behind you, and unless you... Here's the thing with, with most things in life is it's not the... It's more about marketing than it is about the product itself. And, you know, I, I said that at the, at the beginning of this show, I spent 90% of my time not making shows, but just getting the word out there, you know, going on a message forums and, and emailing people and trying to interview people and just trying to find ways to get the word out about what I was doing. I knew it was good, but good alone doesn't make it. So if you have a team, which includes at least one person who wants to just get out and pound the payment pavement i mean i've told this story a million times but i mentioned it again if, if you're new to this that the guy who founded uh, ethernet the networking standard he would have he taught at a university to have his graduate students over to his mansion and one of his graduate students said to him oh man i wish i'd invented ethernet so i could have a mansion like this and he said it, it wasn't because i invented ethan he didn't get the mansion from inventing ethernet i mean, I invented Ethernet, but there were like 20 other guys who had networking standards. The reason I got the mansion was not because I invented Ethernet, but because I spent 10 years crisscrossing the country encouraging people to adopt it as a standard. That's why I got it. And so the invention, everyone thinks the invention, ah, oh, you know, like, but um, it is, it's all that 10-year overnight success stuff, so. So, um, Spider Bip, good name, says, please don't stop doing shows, giving relationship advice. Those are always fun and useful. I agree. I love the calls about relationships. I love the calls about marriages and, and boyfriend, girlfriend stuff and, and all of that. I really appreciate that. And I'm glad that you like them as well. 
in the current format though i'm just not sure i'm doing the very best that i could and it's also not for like if i do some real hard core two and a half hour show with someone and then the next person i mean how much energy are they getting and they have been pretty long lately and i think that's been tough Reese Ringald says, I'm a 22-year-old man, Christian. I really want to find a woman, but I'm also deathly afraid. If you were 22-year-old, again, how would you go about finding a wife and or girlfriend? So this is all about efficiency, Reese. So a lot of people want to confine the first or maybe even the second date to small talk, and don't do that. Don't do that. If it's a job interview, and, and a date is a job interview. It's the old John Jerry Seinfeld line, what is a date but a job interview that goes on all night? It's a job interview. And find out the girl's values. Find out about her history. Find out about her family. Find out about her level of self-knowledge. And, and you can be very efficient, very efficient with these kinds of things, but you have to be willing to go to the core of values right up front. Joshua... Paulson says, I'm certain that finding good people in church is just as hard as finding good people in any other organization with a few common values, but otherwise diverse people. I think that there can be truth in that for sure. It's not like everyone who is a Christian is a Christian. All right. Uh, you would love the first Bioshock game. Eh, yeah, here's the problem. And and it's because I haven't really had time. Like, I, it's, it's just sad. The last complicated game I played was StarCraft. Gosh, when did the first StarCraft come out? 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So the first Bioshock game, I kind of liked it. Is that the one you've got vending machines? And I, I found the blunderbuss stuff and the sort of negative Ayn Rand stuff to be a bit uh, tough. So, and it may be a, a bit behind the times to review it at the moment. So play Dark Souls, you would like it. Uh, play The Witcher 3. All right, think about that. Um... Did you like the movie Heat? No, I thought it was uh, not not that great. A uh, lot of build-up. That was the one with Pacino and De Niro, right? Yeah, that was okay. Kind of forgettable. Um, uh, leading in a live chat talk looks to be hard. I cannot put myself in Stefan's shoes. Slippers, actually. That's the beauty of it. So, Steph, when are you going to play Hannibal in, <laughs> in the remake of Silence of the Goats? Oh, yeah, was that in Toronto? There was some, uh, the reports out that there was a, a, a hotel that had paid guests come in and the paid guests didn't know that it was also, they were housing a whole bunch of, quote, migrants in the hotel. And apparently animal protection services had to be called because they were slaughtering goats in the public washrooms. And, oh, man, that was rush. It was rough. It was rough. Bro, you definitely need to stream some gaming. Huh. Uh, have I seen a film called Primer? No. Would I review FMA Brotherhood? Is that a movie or is that a game? Let me just make a note of it and I'll, I'll look it up. I'd just like to, I'd like to have more time to experiment a little bit. I just feel I've been chasing a format that worked for quite a long time and not really um, figuring it out uh, again. Conan the Barbarian. That was... The second one with Grace Jones was very funny. I remember at the time just busting a gut laughing with Wilt Chamberlain too, of all people. And uh, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty good. Legalized prostitution, victimless. Prostitution should actually uh, be legalized. Of course, it is not a victimless crime in that prostitutes tend to come from situations of child abuse, uh, particularly uh, child rape, a pedophilia situations. So um, there are victims already. And um, so I, I saw a comment on one of my videos. Of this. Apparently there's someone out there on the internet who interviews prostitutes 
Um, I don't know if he has sex with them afterwards. I hope not. But he interviews these prostitutes, and, and some of them have these stories about, you know, like I saw my dad strangle someone to death, cut up the body, throw him in a freezer. Like just when he was, she was a kid growing up. I mean, it's, it's rough. Uh, but um, the way that... Uh, the, the way that these women get produced is really uh, horrifying. Um, if I remember rightly, Gabra Mate, the doctor of Gabra Mate, uh, was talking about his, uh, his work with prostitutes and he could not find a single, well, no, he could not find a single heroin addict. And I think he could not find a single prostitute who was not sexually abused as a child. So you are kind of having sex with the remains of often unprocessed and hideous child abuse. So it should be legalized, absolutely. Uh, and we should treat our children better, uh, particularly the girls. All right. I want to see Titanic in feminist version. Females are going down, men are saved. Yeah, what was the ratio? Like 18% of women saved. Sorry, 18% of men saved, 61% of women, something like that. Do you train a martial art? I do not train a martial art. Sports, uh, weightlifting, cardio. Uh, but no, I do not train in a martial art. Dorian Gray, 2009 film. Was there a new film of Dorian Gray? What am I thinking? Oh, I'm thinking of Benjamin Button. I love the Dorian Gray story. I used to quote from Oscar Wilde's Dorian Gray story. He wrote the original, the 19th century. I, I used a quote of that for my master's degree. Terminated 2 is real. Well, these days, it seems right. Democracy was a mistake. Shame that Steph will never play Morrowind. That game is a trove of philosophical conundrums. Um, why would you assume I never played Morrowind? See, Morrowind came out before I became a father. Once you become a dad, um, you uh, you can't get into the in-depth games. But Morrowind was the pre-Skyrim game, right? And I played that and really, really enjoyed it. So, Are you a Blade Runner fan? I am. Have you guys seen the new one? I have the I bought the new one, but I haven't watched it because again I have no time. But um, I do. There's a couple of things in Blade Runner that I find amazing. So okay, this is like stupid trivia, but what the hell? Uh, so way back in the day, I was a huge Atari guy. So back when I was a kid, it was like Atari. I don't mean the 2600, like the game machine, but the Atari 400 with the membrane keyboard, the Atari 800, which I had from an inheritance money that I got from my grandmother, with a proper keyboard, came with 8K of RAM. I remember going to a guy. <laughs> with the funniest Italian name, I won't say what it was, the funniest Italian name. And uh, I bought 32K of RAM for 70 or $80. Anyway, but um, Atari was actually shown in one of the scenes in Blade Runner. And so the entire Atari community, which I was part of back in the day, the programming community and all of that, we were all like, oh, we're in Blade Runner. And this is, Blade Runner's got the Atari symbol. And uh, we were all so excited. And I went to go and see the film and I thought it was very good. I thought it was very good. Particularly, it was Rutger Hauer who played one of the, I can't remember the name, you know, the Tears in, in the Rain android. And I went to go and see it with a friend of mine in the theater. And at one point, the android, who never had a childhood, goes in and sees a room full of toys and says, oh, toys! And I remember my friend saying, because he never had a childhood. And I'm like, damn, that's deep, man. That's deep. So I did like the original Blade Runner. I have not seen the new one. I have a bit of a tough time. Oh, what's his name? The Hey Girl guy, Ryan Gosling. I have a bit of a tough time uh, with him. Uh, I find his acting kind of kind of robotic, I suppose. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit lackluster, a little bit too low-key for me. Too low-key for me. 
What is your attitude towards the AI issues, aka Terminator? I don't... Okay, so just so you know, like this is an important analysis to get a hold of, right? So you, you see all these movies, and the movies have the same theme, a lot of these science fiction movies. We create these machines to serve us, and they end up hunting and controlling us, right? I mean, all the machines, they're supposed to be keeping the streets safe, and they're supposed to be taking care of this and that, and, and next thing you know, they take us over. It's all about government, and it's nothing to do with machines. Nothing to do with machines. It's Government was supposed to be a servant of the people, and the government has turned into a tyrannical master of the people. So when people are all talking about robots, you understand it's just a way for people to process their emotions without um, actually having to deal with the real, the reality of what is tyrannizing us, which is not RoboCop machines, it is the state. So, yeah, be careful of that. Thanks, James, uh, England. I appreciate that. Ah, let's see here. Do you plan to chat with Sargon of Akkad anytime soon? I would very much like to. I want to see Steph with the VR headset on. All right. <laughs> let's see. Have you heard of the comedian Sam Hyde? Get him on the show. I have heard of the comedian Sam Hyde. I have not thought of him as a show guest, but I certainly appreciate the suggestion. Idiocracy. Twelve Angry Men. Ah, that's a good, that's a good movie. That's a good movie. So Caroline asks, why did you choose to use a Bible story for your last speaking event? Actually, I had an idea for a speech and I wanted to illustrate it, the, 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 the nature of temptation as, as a part of a larger political argument that I was going to make that was more complicated. So I, I wanted to look up temptation and actually it was the morning of the speech that I just wanted to put the last bits on the, the, the overall argument. And I looked up that story and I'm like, I just threw out the original speech and I'm like, this has got to be the speech because there's so much that was churning around in my brain about Jesus and the temptations of the devil that I just threw out the original speech and did that speech instead. So I just, you know, it's funny because when you, when you do this kind of work publicly, you have to meet your enthusiasms where they are. So I remember when I was first writing novels, I wanted to be in control of the novels in the same way that Ayn Rand was in control of her novels. I mean, she had a very strict toilet trained at gunpoint kind of control over her narratives and so she could tell you without the shrike in particular i'm sure the same is true of the fountainhead maybe even we the living and um she would she would say i know why every word is in this book and i remember her being interviewed and somebody just pick out a random paragraph from the shrike and you say oh well you know this word was chosen because of this and this ties into this and like it's all a lot of control and I did try to control my novels and they they just died on the page and, and I couldn't control them to that degree. And so for me, I have to have a negotiation with what I'm enthusiastic about in order for it to fully come alive. And I want, when I speak in front of people, I want to be present in the moment. I want to be uh, connected to the material and connected to the audience. And I want to truly believe that the audience is going to find what I say valuable. And so... Because, you know, I'm asking people for 45 minutes or an hour of their time and that's there's money to, to pay to, to come and see me sometimes. And that's something I take sort of very seriously. And so I do have to meet my enthusiasms where they are. And that was the topic I was most enthusiastic about at that time. And I'm still very enthusiastic about it as a whole. So that was uh, why I chose that. Uh, that story i hate to say something as cliched as you know it wasn't that i chose the story it's that the story chose me but as far as 
you know, there's a, I have a certain amount of control over what it is that I do, but there's a whole lot of fecundity or fertility that goes on in the subconscious that I have to navigate with and I have to negotiate with. And that's partly why I wanted to talk about some changes in what I do, some changes in the show, because if, if my subconscious creativity and fertility deserts me, I'm really not going to have that much to say. So I got to really hold on to that kind of stuff. So, um, that is the, that is the challenge. All right. Stefan interview more comedians. Oh, opinion on Ayn Rand plays. So what is it? The night of January. Oh Lord. I should know this. I even saw it live night of January 19th. Oh, let me know you Ayn Rand fans. Let me not have to look it up. Um, I like, I, I think it's brilliant. Uh, I, I think it's brilliant. So you, in night of January 19th, I think it is. There is some amazing stuff. She has a play format where some members of the audience are chosen as the jury in a trial. And depending on how they vote, the play has a different ending. It's brilliant. And it's a pretty funny play at times, if it's well directed. And I did see it many years ago at the Stratford Festival, and it was really, really good. Uh, people who refer to their pets as their children are unappealing generally. Yeah, you know, this is something I just thought about. What is it? A quarter of women over 40 are on mental health pills. So it's almost like you take a birth control pill. You don't have kids. Then you end up on a anxiety and depression pill. It's like pills, pills, pills. I've never watched Eraserhead. I've seen the endlessly seen the poster. Like it's something that shows up in a lot of dorm rooms in college. I've seen that with the guy with the crazy hair. But um, I have not seen Eraserhead. Is it good? Um, let me know. Someone says, I keep having problems about five second load for every FDR website. So I'm copying all of Steph's podcast to MP3. Yeah, well, we got hit real hard, real hard with distributed denial of service attacks last week. Still getting hit now. And um, probably had to do with, uh, you know, I did a lot of coverage of the Kavanaugh stuff. And remember, the stuff that you see on the website, sorry, the stuff that you see on YouTube is only a small portion of what's going on as far as the show goes. So, let's see. Did you ever try learning a shamanistic approach to creating? You know, so my big creative writing breakthrough occurred with a couple of cigarettes when I was young. I was never much of a smoker, but... Uh, and let me tell you, so I was working on an adaptation of Turgenev's Fathers and Sons to the stage, and I called it Seduction. And it was a very, very good play, and it did very well when I, when I produced it as a student uh, in downtown Toronto. And what I did was I, I took one object, it was a tree, and I drew the tree as each one of the characters in my play would have drawn it. And that gave me a kind of key into the character and allowed me to bring them to life in the way that really worked for me. So there is odd, very, very odd stuff that occurs when it comes to creativity. And, um, oh, Sam Hyde is actually the guy who shot up Fort Hood. He's, is he the guy who always gets blamed? Anyway, okay, all right, I get it. Uh, have you heard of Nicholas Taleb's or read his work? He wrote The Black Swan, Skin in the Game, and Fooled by Randomness. Uh, I, I've seen some of his tweets, which are very smart. And uh, I would like to read his books. Uh, so I suppose um, 
I suppose one of the challenges is the time, as I mentioned. What is your guess for the Brazilian elections? Hmm. Ooh, you know, I mean, if Bolsonaro gets enough to form a proper government, that would be great. If it's going to be less, they'll just have to wait till next time if there is a next time. Do you think that when governments rewrite history, it is a form of time travel? That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Will you donate your brain to science? Um, I think that there would be some interesting stuff to see in my brain. I'd certainly be curious. I actually did look into, can I do a podcast in an MRI machine? But I can't because all magnetics. I can't have any recording devices in there. So that would be interesting. All right. I guess we'll... Uh, Uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. A, a couple more, um, a couple more of these, and we'll close it for the night. Because yeah, people are saying you, know, you, you have to uh, rest up, and I think that's fair. I did did rest up quite a bit this weekend. Steph missed a super chat about Merrick Garland. Uh, I'm afraid that doesn't really help me <laughs> very much. How have you changed the most since you started YouTube channel? Oh man, I've been red pilled so much. I'm basically one big giant red pill now. So. What happened to the forums? Well, the forums were so there there, are, uh, there were message board forums on the Freedom Main Radio website, but they were being used as an avenue for the distributed denial of service attacks. So we had to shut them down. I'm not sure what's going to happen with them in the long run. All right. So somebody said uh, Robert Molloy said, "Great show on temptations of Christ." Thank you very much. Justin L614 said, "I belong to a private union in New York. We are being." Outcompeted by non-union, instead of being more competitive, a lot of our members would rather vote for socialism slash feelings. How can I convince them that this is a bad idea? Uh, I guess, uh, what kind of world do they want their kids? If they don't have kids, it's tough to ask people to look to the long haul. Uh, but if they do have kids, is this going to be what's going to make their kids proud? If their kids found out about it, is this the kind of world they want to leave to their kids? I would say that kind of stuff. Jessica D., says, listener for over five years, my husband and I love listening to your material and having discussions about it with our kids. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jessica. Wonderful to hear. Static MM says, there was once a time. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, sounds like a movie uh, in a town where there was once a time when the counterculture was revered. Power and money have mutated an honest movement into the anti-culture. I, that's not specific enough for me to particularly talk about. Will you go to a refugee hotel in Canada? Uh, I don't have any particular plans. Please have, please have Jared Taylor on again soon. I certainly did enjoy that chat. And I think he's still suing Twitter. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. If Stefan Molyneux gets a sunburn, he turns into a talking bread pill or perhaps a super intelligent philosophical tomato. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's probably fairly, fairly true. It was a dark and stormy night. Okay. <laughs> all right. So um, I think we got all the super chats there. I'm sorry. Oh, wait. Okay, here's one more. John Galt. Hey, love the book. True AI, the singularity, will be logical. And since consistency is preferable, it will be non-aggressive unless we initiate for against it. Please do a show on this. You know what? I will. John, that is a great idea. Uh, I'm going to just take your whole dang comment here because the AI stuff. No, there's no reason. AI is what you program it to be. It can be as contradictory as you want. It's like saying that the physics of a video game will be just like the real world. It's like, but they won't. Advice for young people buying a house in Ontario. Mm, that's kind of close to financial advice, and I don't really have any competence for that. Uh, just, you know, try and find out about it, as much about the market as possible. And, uh, of course, there are some indications that there's a bubble in Canada for housing, so you might want to look into that. Uh, K. 
Kenny O says, Steph, well, you will need to install Streamlabs on Windows or else persistence will lead to me and others being broke. Also, you only lose 3% instead of 30. Oh, you mean for the, uh, the chance and all that? Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you for your persistence in mentioning that to me. I will look into that. Streamlabs, got it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, a really says, I have been listening for about six years as someone with an ACE, that's Adverse Childhood Experience Score, of nine. You've helped me overcome a lot. Oh, my friend, I'm so sorry. She says, thank you and hearts or he. I am immensely sorry for an Adverse Childhood Experience Score of nine. That is horrifying and brutal. And I kneel before you in admiration of what you've been able to do with that. And I really am I'm honored that the show has done anything with you uh, to, to help you with that. That is just wonderful. So thank you. Thank you very much. Stefan Molyneux, would you ever do a meetup in the GTA? Uh, I would certainly think about that. I think that's very interesting. Uh, when are we starting a cult community? <laughs> I'm tired of waiting. Well, as soon as the, the vaults wherein we keep the fertile women are completed, uh, then we will, of course, be sending out the white-robed Nazgul to pick everyone up, naturally. Uh, let's see here. If you dab, you are my hero. Is that it? I can't ever. My daughter's good at dabbing. I'm not that great at it, but it's something like that, right? Okay, there you go. <laughs> Look at that hero. I thought I had to be brave and courageous and noble. Turns out, just the dab. Ah, uh, let's see here. Favorite authors? I like to put a whole reading list together, which would probably be a good idea. So, all right, let's do one or two more. Unsubbed boomer. I'm such a boomer. No, I'm not a boomer. I'm one year off from the boomers, I think. Which you know, whatever. Right? All right. Dabbing is a drug culture secret handshake? Oh, come on. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Will you go back on Joe Rogan podcast? No, I won't. Um, I, I try not to have conversations with, but anyway, you understand. How does one overcome a hypersensitivity to criticism and rejection? Recognize that what you experienced as a child had nothing to do with criticism and rejection and probably had only anything to do with the destruction of your own personality. So, boomer dab. <laughs> Prune juice in the house. <laughs> a reading list would be amazing. I did that years ago, but I will um, put that. Uh, last year of Boom was a 64. Yeah, sorry, is it 64? Okay, so 66. 66. How old is my daughter? She is almost 10. How far away is your new free book? So believe it or not, so it was an 80, almost an 80 gig upload. <laughs> and... I want to wait until, you know how you can do this, I don't know if you know, but you can do these captions things on YouTube where you say, I want captions like you upload the text and then it matches your text to what it is you're saying. And that process has been going on for three days and it's still not done. So I do have to, uh, I do have to wait uh, with, with all of that. Let's see here. Uh, somebody says, is this the wrong hill to die on? I'm a senior in high school. My school is forcing me to apply for college for graduation. I'm not retarded, so I won't be going to college and thus I won't apply. Well, college is a big bag. You know, if there's something more technical you want to do, college might be a good idea. But yeah, I wouldn't go in for the arts. I think that's just, just horrible. That's just horrible. So um, what's your latest thoughts on Sweden? Thought on Sweden? Oh, they ain't getting out of it peacefully. Uh, what happened with Rogan? Um, he's very friendly for the first couple of shows. And then when I went on again, I don't know, what is this, like almost half a decade ago? Now, um, you know, I don't mind the tough questions, but it was kind of out of nowhere and seemed uh, pretty uh, pretty hostile. And 
so it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't that much fun. And you know, he's had some pretty uh, pretty uh, rough people on his show and hasn't confronted them. So I guess I got some kind of special treatment. So yeah, maybe it had something to do with uh, um, the young lady from the Young Turks. I don't know. So yeah, I, it's you know just it was okay, you know, but uh, it wasn't particularly enjoyable for me. And again, and I did a show recently with Tom Woods where I had all the tough questions, and I've got no problem with all the tough questions. But um, yeah, not uh, not my particular uh, uh, not my not my particular cup of tea. And uh, so all right. Any last uh, last questions? Uh, have Ricardo Duchesne back on to talk about his book, Faustian Man in a Multicultural Age? All right. I will check it out. Now, to that having been said, you know, I, I certainly appreciated being on Joe's show a couple of times. I mean, it certainly helped the show grow, which, you know, he probably regrets to some degree. But, uh, you know, it's funny. It's, it's kind of like with... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin. It's like, <laughs> you know, you have controversial. It seems like everyone's just got to pass through this initiation right of just giving me a really harsh interview. It's like, it's just something that people have to, I don't know, maybe you get into a certain frat by just, you know, give Steph the really harsh interview and so on. It's like, I've just talked about science and I've just talked about facts and, and some people don't like my arguments that, you don't have to um you don't have to spend time with abusive people even if they're your family uh yeah i mean i i never back down from that i i completely agree with that now and uh you know it's funny because i'm not going to put everyone in this category but when you think about it yeah there are a lot of uh children who get sexually abused in families and so when i say go talk to your family go confront your family well, uh, for those small proportion uh, that have pedophiles and pedophilic attacks upon children, eh, you know, um, they're not going to be very happy with me uh, making that suggestion because they could actually end up in jail. So that would be one of the reasons why. So, All right. Um, uh, let's see here. There's there an FDR Discord group. Great. Uh, somebody says, you taught, you, taught, you taught me. I think that means taught me more about economics than all my economics courses that I've undergone in school and even in university right now. Thank you and continue your show. Somebody says, can you do a video on advice for millennials? It's hard to live a traditional life with the high costs and low wages these days. It's a pretty interesting idea. Thank you. That's a very interesting idea. I'll just have to remind them that I'm not a boomer because <laughs> they might freak out. All right. Uh, my nine-year-old daughter has been assessed as having an IQ in the 95th percentile. How do you raise a child smarter than her parents? Well, good. Um, you can't do anything to harm her intelligence any more than you can do anything to harm her height. So, uh, get a great tutor and uh, try and just try and keep up. You'll still be ahead for a while because you're older. So just uh, try and um, try and keep up and try and stay away. Did Ruben leave out footage in my interview with him? Yeah, so there was a time, there was a, a, an exchange where he said that he had done the research and agreed with what I was saying, and, and that didn't make it into the final cut for reasons I'm sure that uh, you all can guess. Will you do a video with Michael DeMarco ever? Um, it seems unlikely. Uh, he wanted to stay off the, uh, off the visuals. He likes uh, not being on the visuals. 
I enjoy when Stefan goes on his tangents away from the topic the MSM wants folks talking about. Hmm, I appreciate that. Thank you. Hanging out for more Super Chats. Stefan. Let's see here. Oh, I think I got all the Super Chats. Very nice. I was bald for a while. I liked it. <laughs> Would you laugh like Burt Reynolds? I don't know how he laughs, actually. It's been a long time since I've seen a movie of him. My feelings about Jordan Peterson tweet. You can listen to that uh, before. Number one lesson to take away from Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged is do not feed the beasts that are eating you. Who is your favorite philosopher? Socrates slash Rand. Uh, Aristotle as well, although it sure would be nice if Aristotle's books had not all been lost. Is spanking always wrong in your opinion? Yes, absolutely. It's not, it's, uh, the child is not initiating force against you. It's not self-defense. Therefore, you are initiating force. College or military? Oof, I don't know. I don't know. Tough call. Tough call. Uh, let's see here. We'd love it if you join the FDR Discord. I will, you know what? I will make a note of that. Busy guy. See, this is the thing. I kind of want to reorganize my life so I'm not quite so busy chasing the hamster wheel of, you know, daily hour shows or two hour shows. So thank you. That would be nice. I'll make a note of that. Oh, economics book recommendations. You know, I mean, Mises is great. Uh, Murray Rothbard is great. Uh, the uh, economics uh, in one lesson uh, is great. Uh, lots of wonderful stuff that's uh, out there. Protect your high IQ child out of any public school. Yeah, well, that's that's true. Still begging for money, Steph. Yeah, well, I do ask value for value. That is certainly true. If that's begging. See, the funny thing, it doesn't stop me from asking for, for what I think I, I deserve. But... Um, if, if you think that asking for what you want is begging, you're going to be the one who ends up going through life not asking for what you want, not me. It's funny, somebody, I mean, I don't know if this is a joke or not, but it's an important thing to just remember that I, um, I, asked, I asked for what I want. And I do appreciate support, freedomainradio.com slash donate. I ask for what I want. And if you consider that to be humiliating or begging or e-begging or something, it just means that you have set yourself a barrier against asking for what you want in life. And it's important to ask for what you want in life. Uh, ever have Peter Schiff on again? Yes. Have you read Blood Meridian? Any thoughts? I have not. Um, all right. So let me just see here. Stefan, is recreational spanking allowed in, in Kapistan? Well, sure. I mean, if it's between adults, uh, it's consenting and all that. If it cranks, if it floats your boat. But I think if you're not raised with spanking, it's very unlikely that actual adult spanking will float your boat sexually. So. Uh, Panamat Philosophy says, what is worse for the West, communism or Sharia law? Boy, there's two, two things I don't want to have to choose between if I can at all avoid it. So I don't know. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, three super chats. Uh, uh, Sepanta says, I just joined. I'm sorry if this has been suggested already, but what about song, film, TV show analyses? I know you've done a few before, but that would make a nice side series. I agree. I agree. Static MM says, no matter where I stand, as I uh, piss around the toilet, I still miss all over the place. I can't figure that one out. Any thoughts on not pissing all over the place? First of all, don't do it after you, right after you've had sex. And secondly, just get a bigger toilet or a smaller penis. I assume you'll want to go for the floor. Uh, for the former. Sir Dialot says, this isn't begging. It is a tip jar. Here is a small fraction of what I would owe you if I paid hourly. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, you guys can collectively help me out with, with the costs. You know, I'm going to hire a whole crew to go to Poland. It's not, it's not cheap, especially if we want good people. 
No, it's 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 not even a tip jar. Well, it's more because it's closer to a tip. See, begging is when you're not providing any value and you're just asking for something. Whereas if you're providing value and you're asking for reciprocity, that's not begging. That's reminding people that... Anyway. Um, somebody there, John Bob, says, if you want to read a great book on economics, Tom Thomas Sowell's book, Basic Economics, was what really... was what finally made me get it. You can find an audiobook version on YouTube. Very recommended. Well, you know, pay, pay the guy. Um, don't, don't... If it's available on, say, Audible... Dot com. Uh, I would say pay the guy if you can. He's uh, he's worked hard and uh, done a lot of great work. Uh, Alex says, I've been donating for years. You are worth every penny and some. Uh, how can you prevent your kids from being indoctrinated in public schools? Um, take take them out as public. <laughs> take them out of public schools. Have I seen the trailer for the Queen biopic? I have. And I'm just enough of a Queen nerd that it gave me goosebumps, even though I'm not sure it's going to be that great a movie. So, Did your dentist say no sex during your healing? I'm afraid I'm going to keep that one to myself. Uh, Field of Bears, so long as we're keeping you up, why not do the music analysis with Owen? He did great. He did great with The Wall by Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Let's see here. Um, do you believe in a modern debt jubilee, QE for the people? Uh, nothing can save this fiat currency system, I'm afraid. Um, and it most likely is just going to have to crash because, because the... Politicians just won't tell the truth to the people uh, who need to. I have a, I had a, um, an idea, a black neck, rednecks, white liberals thoughts. Yeah, it's very interesting. Still doesn't deal with the race and IQ issue, but very interesting. I would say, no, I lost that thought. I'll come back. I'm sure. Is there a moral argument for the GOP blocking Merrick Garland in 2016? I'm sorry, I don't know what that uh, refers to. What if a three-year-old suddenly gets out of control and runs screaming in a parking lot? What do you do? Well, this is a matter of prevention. You have to have 10,000 conversations before them about cars and parking lots and staying close and all that kind of stuff. How to get Bitcoin more adoption? Tell people about it and uh, all of that. I think that's important. What's Canada's future? Don't know. Don't know. It's a tough call, man. It's a tough call. Um, DV Phil says, first time seeing your live chat. First donation. Thank you. Uh, Phil, public schools have ruined, I think it's ruined my 22-year-old son. Oh, yeah, well, it's just public schools, I'm afraid to say, my friend. It was you um, putting him in there. Marcel Rususki says, please get Donald Trump on your show. I, he's too smart. He's too. It's funny, you know, because when it comes to my influence in the political world, the fact that I had some effect in the political world means that there's been a lot of blowback, which means that my effect, positive effect in the political world has diminished. And that's, of course, what it's for. And so, um, yeah, I, I, there would be no value to Donald Trump for coming on my show. I think it would be interesting. I'd like to chat with the guy, but no. Even if he offered, I would say no. It would not be, a, I mean, not that he would, right? But it just would not be, it would not be the right thing to do. All right. I think we are going to, uh, <laughs> there's some funny stuff here, but I'm not going to read it. So <laughs> are you prepared for the coming dollar crash? Um, yeah, I mean, as best as you can. Um, Anderson Ribeiro says, Stefan just wanted to say you're the best from answering a joke about traps and saying that you played Mara with real authenticity here. Love you. Thank you, guy. I appreciate that, Anderson. It's very, very kind. You're wrong about psychedelic medicines. It's not an argument, I'm afraid. And 
what happened to all my calling questions I sent last year. I'm still going to review a bunch and uh, I will try and get, get some done. But uh, I have to really um, make sure that I have lots of energy for that. So Charlie Sullivan said, shout me out, please. No. There you go. All right. How about Ivanka? Oh, yeah. Jared and Ivanka. What is it? Uh, I think it's... Um, Ann Coulter, who said, whatever your presidency is doing, if you do the opposite of Ivanka and Jared, you're doing the right thing. All right. Stefan, how soon do you think the human genome mapping projects will irrefutably prove the relationship between race and IQ and many other genetic traits? Well, how do you know they haven't already and they're just keeping it quiet? I think that uh, China is working very hard on this. You know, the IQ 200 babies I talked about with Dr. Stephen Su. So uh, I assume that that information is largely there, but they're just not talking about, about all of this. Stefan, it's past, it's past my bedtime. Stop being so good at this lifestyle. Thanks, <laughs> very kind. Thank you. Uh, your thoughts about Kavanaugh and the tension between the two sides. I don't know. Should I do another Kavanaugh show? I was going to this weekend, but I was just a bit tired and, and uh, um, from, from the surgery. But uh, should I do another Kavanaugh show? A post-mortem on it? Ryan says, you changed my life. Thank you beautiful brian i appreciate that but you know it was you who did it right i mean i'm just a recipe you're the cook of your own life maybe one more maybe one more all right okay uh you guys are too fascinating but i will um <laughs> you guys are too fascinating but i'm gonna have to uh cut it down now maybe uh, listen first of all uh thanks everyone so much for um, the calls for, for the comments, for, for the support, for the feedback is hugely important. I, I, I work for you, and I want to make sure that we come to an accommodation. For those who love the call-in show, I'm still going to continue to do listener calls uh, a little bit uh, on a more selective basis. Not that we haven't been selective in the past, but just not compressed into one accordion of four-hour marathonness. And um, when the book Essential Philosophy comes out, let me know if you find that kind of work. I mean, it was Definitely a couple of months work, but I'm very, very happy with it. And if you find that kind of stuff really valuable, let me know. Now, I certainly do, and I like working on that kind of stuff. And I think it's nice to have shareable material for other people. And um, so that is, uh, um, that's the kind of feedback that really helps me shape what I, what I do. And I'm very enthusiastic about the next phase, being out of the studio. I'm really enjoying these live chats. It's a lot of fun. The time flies for me. Like, it's just like, boom, like time flash, you know? Like they gave me this stuff before they took my tooth out and they were like, oh yeah, you know, the time's going to compress. And it's like, no, it doesn't really do that at all. And they're like, they turn the lights off and it's like, no, yeah, somebody's coming in to just saw half your head off, but see if you can't relax a little. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, it wasn't too bad. Can a woman become impregnated by a tree ant? Well, you'd have to check with Thaddeus Russell about that because uh, I think that's his perspective. So, all right, guys, um, too much fun, but I'm going to close it off for the, uh, the evening. Um, I'm going to get a better setup as well for this. So the video I know is still a little shuddery, but uh, I am still working on getting a better setup for all of this. So I uh, love you guys so much. Thank you so much for all of your support. Uh, freedomainradio.com slash donate to help out the show. And uh, you can do your shopping at fdrurl.com slash Amazon. And you can go to The Art of the Argument to get the book. Follow me on Twitter. It's Stefan Molyneux. And uh, lots of love, everyone. Uh, it was a great evening. A lot of fun. I'll talk to you soon.